is so good to be together today, whether you are here with us in person or you are joining us online. I'm Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here, and if you want to follow along with today's sermon, you can do so on our app where we have our sermon notes. This week is the most holy of weeks in our tradition. It is the most important of weeks in our faith. And so we gather together today, and we start off with Palm Sunday. And that's where we're going to focus today. But I thought maybe before we hear today's scripture, it would be helpful to get a scope of the whole week so that you could understand. So Palm Sunday begins the week. This wonderful celebration as Jesus comes into town. But Sunday night, Jesus will journey to Bethany and have dinner with his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Sunday ends with his time with them. And we think the scripture that we had last week of the anointing of Jesus and his feet with that beautiful perfume happened on Sunday night. Then Monday. Monday, Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem. And there's this really interesting story of Jesus going by a fig tree on his way to Jerusalem. And that the fig tree is not blooming. It is not fruiting. And he notices this and he makes a comment about it. And for us as people of faith, this is one of those stories that's about how Life is to be fruitful, and we are to bear fruit that is worthy of our salvation. Jesus journeys to the temple where he finds people who are not bearing the kind of fruit that God would want in their lives. People who are money changers, people who are taking advantage of those who have come to offer worship and to offer sacrifices Jesus overturns the tables in his anger, and this action upsets the religious leaders. And this sets into motion what will happen the rest of the week. Tuesday, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He is teaching in the temple, and the religious leaders hearing all of this continue their plans for what is to come for Jesus. They make an intention to set at um, this going opportunity for them to get him and to put him under arrest. Later that afternoon, Jesus would journey to, with the disciples to the Mount of Olives. This is due east of the temple, and it overlooks the city of Jerusalem. Here, Jesus would give some of his deepest teachings found in Matthew 24 and 25. They are teachings that are hard to hear because they are about the destruction of Jerusalem, about not being led astray by false teachers. He reflects on the prophet Daniel, and he shares some important parables. And then he talks about the judgment at the end of time. Wednesday's not mentioned in the scriptures, so we skip over to Thursday. Thursday, Jesus is in Bethany, and he sends several of his disciples 
to put together a place so that they might have the Passover feast. We often refer to this place where they gather as the upper room. That evening after sunset, Jesus washes the disciples' feet as they prepare to have the Passover meal together. Now, let me just mention a little bit about Passover to give you context for why this matters so much. Uh, Passover is this celebration in Judaism that remembers the exodus of the Jewish people from their time of enslavement in Egypt. You can read all about it in the book of Exodus. And in Exodus 12, this is where God instructs the people to sacrifice a lamb whose blood is to be placed over the doorposts. The sign would mean that the house would be passed over during the 10th plague. So Thursday, with the disciples, is often understood to be this Passover meal. Why don't you go back one slide, please? And that is why, historically, there's a connection between the idea of Passover and the idea of what is happening here with Jesus and the disciples The imagery of the Passover is this lamb, this lamb whose blood is what saves the people. And now we use the same imagery to talk about Jesus. He is the new lamb, here to fulfill what God began in that first Passover. Later on Thursday, Jesus and his disciples leave the upper room. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane where they pray. And in Gethsemane, Jesus is met by Judas Iscariot and a group of people, and he is betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Now, Judas is one of the 12 disciples who's been with Jesus all this time. And then Friday is the day where we remember The trial of Jesus began in the morning and was one filled with false accusations and mockery and beatings. And Jesus is finally sentenced to death, a death on the cross. He was spit on and mocked. He was pierced with a crown of thorns. And at the ninth hour, about three o'clock, Jesus breathed his last breath and he died. His disciples would then take his body and put it in a new tomb. And Saturday would be a time of deep silence. Throughout history, this week has been the holiest of all the weeks. Sometimes we think Christmas is a bigger celebration than Easter, but it's actually not. Uh, This week is the most holy of weeks. And so as we enter this week together... We enter it not only with the sense of the holiness of this story, but also seeing that this is not just any story. This is our story, too. Let me say this. One of the things that every year when we get to this week that really strikes me is it seems that time is different this week. How time unfolds is different this week. It seems to slow down 
It seems to deepen and widen. There are these holy moments in life where time somehow feels different to us. We are focusing today on how it feels different in this holiest of week, weeks, but we all know this in our own life as well. Times when things have happened to us, where time has seemed very different to us. Maybe time felt like it slowed way down. Or even that time sped way up. In my life, I can say moments like that were when I got married. That seemed like a moment in time where everything seemed to just get really clear and quiet. Also, when our son was born, that was one of those moments that seemed to last forever, right? (laughs) And I will also say one of those moments where uh, I feel time was somehow different was my very first Sunday with you all when I came in 2018. That was also one of those moments where time was extra special. What are those sacred moments in your life? What are those moments where time seemed different? It might have been a birth. It might have been a death. Maybe it was a move. Or maybe it was words spoken to you that forever impacted you. As we begin Holy Week together, we do so knowing that this is a special and holy time where time does slow down. And today, as we gather, we finish up our series on being restored. And today, as we finish, we talk about how God has restored us, but he has restored us at a cost. Let's hear our text today. This is Luke 19, 28 through 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt. That has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you need it, anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So, those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. But he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a text of celebration. Jesus is on the colt coming into the town, and the people are shouting their praise. It is this holy moment for the town, for the people who are there, for the disciples and for Jesus. But of course, in those big, important moments, there's always somebody who's not having it. In this text, it's the Pharisees, and they tell Jesus that he should calm all of his disciples down. And I love what Jesus says. He says, if the people were silent, the rocks would cry out. (laughs) What does Jesus mean when he says that? Well, Jesus is saying, this is a day when we should be shouting our praise to God. And if we didn't, an inanimate object, rocks, would take our place and shout it out. Now, this is, of course, poetic, but similar ideas are found throughout Scripture where things cannot contain the praise, and they shout it out. Like in Psalm 114, the mountains shout and jump with joy. In Isaiah 55, the hills burst into song, and the trees clap their hands. And in Psalm 148, the sun and the moon and the stars all praise God. So today we celebrate with those first followers of Jesus. And we celebrate, as people of faith, what God has done for us, how he has restored us. Over this whole season of Lent, as we have looked at each text, as we have talked about the ways that God restores us, The one thing we have said over and over again is that being restored is not our work. It is the work of God. It's the work of God in our lives and also in the world. The scriptures say over and over again that we cannot save ourselves, meaning none of us can be good enough, wise enough, able enough, None of us can make all the things right in this life. None of us can do anything to win God's love by what we do or what we don't do. It is a gift. It is given to us all by our God. Lent tells us that we are restored by what Jesus has done for us on the cross And what our God has done for us has cost him. And when we talk about the cost of Lent and the cost of this week to Jesus, we often use the term sacrifice. And sacrifice is not a word we use a lot. It's not a word we talk much about in our culture today. We have any historical understanding of what sacrifice is. We may have this kind of sense that sacrifice is about taking an animal and offering it on an altar. And that's very hard for us to understand. It's so far removed from our culture today. 
But it's an important concept for us this week. So let me tell you a little bit about sacrifice. First, what the culture of Jesus' time would think of as sacrifice and the meaning of sacrifice. And then we're going to look at what the Bible understands sacrifice as, which is something very different from what the world at the time understood. So in ancient history, animal sacrifice was something that was done as an ancient ritual, and it was done to appease the gods. The idea being that the gods were always angry, and they thought this because every time the crops weren't growing or people were getting sick, they tied it to the belief that somehow they had displeased the gods and that to make them happy, to get things back on track, it would require a blood sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament culture and in Jesus' time and in the New Testament, sacrifice, while it might look similar, was actually quite different. In our scriptures, sacrifice is not about appeasing an angry God. Instead, it is about two things. The first is this, acknowledging our sin. Sin is when we live outside of how God calls us to live, outside of God's will, outside of God's way for humanity. And it can be big things like murder, and it can be small things like lying. I love the resource, the Bible Project, and it talks about it this way. It says this, for the Israelites, so the people of Israel, cutting an animal's throat and watching its blood, that is its life, drained from its body was a visceral symbol of the devastating results of their sin and selfishness. So that's really heavy for us today to hear. But I think it's important to help us get into this ancient biblical mindset. So there's this huge difference going on. In other cultures, it's about appeasing an angry God. Here, it is about something so different. It is about acknowledging that we are separated from God by what we have done and not done, and that there needs to be a a reconciling between us and God. The second part of sacrifice in the biblical culture is this, that sacrifice is the covering of sin with God's gift, meaning an animal is given, and it's a reminder not only of sin's tragic consequences, but it's also offered as a a symbolic substitute, meaning this animal, who is God's creature, is symbolically offered as ransom in our place. Because, of course, the wages of sin is death. And for us, we know that instead of God demanding our lives for sin, this animal, this payment or ransom, covers our brokenness. You may know the word atonement which comes from the word to cover, that God covers over our sin. So this is a big difference, even though it might look the same. In other cultures, it's all about appeasing an angry God or gods. Here in biblical culture, it is about 
the seriousness of our brokenness. You know, we've talked about all last six weeks about how we don't just need a tune-up, right? We need to be born again. The seriousness of our brokenness and the importance of the cost of repairing our relationship with a God who loves us. First John puts that this way. It says, This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. My beloved ones, since God has loved us in this way, we are also we also are obligated to love one another. Today begins Holy Week. And we hear the story throughout the week of what God has done for us in Jesus and how Jesus has taken on the sins of the world once and for all as the sacrifice restoring us to who God calls us and has created us to be. All this is possible now because of Jesus. So I invite you to walk this road with us this week, to join us on Holy Thursday as we have the Stations of the Cross and as we worship here. And Good Friday, which is a longer worship service, you would join us for that as well. Uh, These are important things that let us draw into the story and to grow in our understanding of what Easter is about. And then, of course, join us for Easter. If you've never been to Easter here before, you really do need to come in person. It is one of the best days, such a celebration, and so much hope and promise. Uh, We will be here And our usual schedule, 8.30, 9.45, and 11, with kids stuff at 9.45 and 11. And I hope that you will come, and I hope that you will bring someone who needs to hear some beautiful music and a word of encouragement and to hear about what God's love has done for us. For God has restored us. He has restored us all, even though it cost him his son. This was done for us all out of love. So join us in this most holy of weeks as we gather and find that truly we have been restored. Let us pray.